we're continuing our um, series on the kingdom of God. And um, the passage that I was given was Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Um, if I'm going to give my um, talk, my preach, a title, which I don't usually do, I thought I'd have a go. I thought I'd call it Before Forgiveness. And I will explain why in a little while. assistant Albera to read it please. Yeah? Uh, oh whatever you want. Great. So, excuse me. Do you want the microphone? Uh, I don't know. Probably do I need it? Yes. 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 That's why I thought. Just just go quiet. Okay, so that means it's not time. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, and all that he had, had to be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt, that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Thanks, Alvira. <clears throat> okay, so this is a, you know, a familiar parable to, to a lot of us, isn't it? And the punchline is that we've got to forgive a lot of times. But let's pretend you know, we're coming to this text fresh uh, and we don't know how it ends. Um, how many times shall we forgive? Shall we forgive one, two, three? Actually, I thought Peter's suggestion of seven was quite a lot. I mean, when you've got members of your family who are up in front of you all the time, you do have to forgive them a lot of times, don't you? But I'm thinking like work colleagues, seven is a lot of times to forgive them, isn't it? If they've wound you up or offended you or something. And even Jesus is 77 times, or I think in some other translation it's 70 times seven. That isn't an exact figure. It's actually, you know, we infer, it's hinted that actually it's just an endless amount. So Peter says, how many times shall we forgive? Jesus says, 70 times 7 or 77. Job done? No, that's not the point of this parable. The parable isn't about how many times should you forgive. Actually, Jesus wants us to know why. So in summary then, 
the master is a representation of God, isn't it? And he's settling his accounts, which is like the day of reckoning. It's like, oh, it's coming to the end of our life and, and coming to God. The first seven owed 10,000 talents, which apparently, according to Google, is three million pounds. And by the law of the day, he could legally, the master, sell the, the, the servant, his wife and his children to pay towards that debt. And the servant went on his knees, begged, and God, the master, took pity. Which we know from God is, is really typical of him, isn't it? He is so compassionate. Uh, it talks in Luke 9.36, you know the parable where, not parable, the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It says in the Bible that Jesus took pity on them. He saw them hungry and needy and he took pity on them. And that is God, isn't it? He takes pity on us. He has compassion on us. And so he cancelled the first servant's debt because actually three million pounds, there's no way he could afford it. He could beg on his knees, but he didn't have the resources to repay his master. The second servant says 100 silver coins. In other translations, it says 100 denarii which again Google says is about a bit less than 100 pounds. So we're comparing 100 pounds to 3 million pounds. And the second servant in mirrored behavior begs, but this time the first servant doesn't take pity. He can't sell the man and his family because according to the laws of the day, the debt wasn't big enough. But he can chuck him into jail, which he does. Then the master calls the first servant and calls him wicked, reminds him how large the debt is that he had cancelled and that he should forgive the debt uh, of this second servant. The first servant is then punished by unending torture until he can pay back. And we know really that he can't pay it back. So the idea is, is that he faces unending torture. So when I'm reading this with fresh eyes, I've got a couple of problems with it, which I'm going to talk through with you and some ideas which I hope you know, will, you know, interest bless you. My first thought, which, uh, by the when, when I come to preach, I always run it by Tim, and he disagreed with me on this one, but, so I'll give his point and yours. <laughs> when I first read this, I think the master's really harsh. Maybe I've onboarded this sort of um, worldly idea of God just being a lovely God of love and never gets cross. But I think as well, it's, as I've read the Old Testament, I'm so used to the Israelites getting stuff wrong. They're forever ignoring God, turning away, following other gods, and every time God gives them another chance. You know, he saves a remnant, he says, come to me again and I will forgive you. And, and I'm used to this, whereas this is quite shocking. This is like a end of the line, no, I mean this sort of, don't argue with me. So it sort of, is, for me, is a bit shocking. Tim thinks that most people think, and good thing too, he jolly well deserved it, which is also true. But whether you think he's a bit harsh, actually he isn't, he is a God of love, he is compassionate and kind, um, or whether you think he deserves it, the point is that this is a bottom line for God, that he means what he says, and actually in order to be forgiven, we need to forgive. this idea of forgiveness you know if, if I'm a bit shocked by this 
bit of the Bible. Actually, forgiveness is a big theme across the Bible. And we should know that because in Matthew 6, it's in the very prayer that Jesus taught us, looking at particularly, say, verse 12, and then verse 14 and 15. It says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And 14 and 15, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And actually, forgiveness is a really big deal. Because in the Old Testament, you know, there were so many rules about how you had to behave. Uh, and you could only get forgiveness if you followed these particular things, uh, sacrifices you had to make. And they're important because without them, we've got this big gap between us and God. This sin, this independence of ours gets in the way and breaks our relationship with God. It cre creates a separation. But these sacrifices that we that they had to do in the Old Testament, they were temporary, and they had to be done again and again. Whereas with Jesus, with this new covenant, this new way, forgiveness is cancels that debt of ours, that sin. By him dying on the cross and taking all that sin on himself, we have a forever relationship with God. But we don't get it if we don't forgive, and that's God's bottom line. Going back to the passage, it says in verses 32 and 33, I was noticing that that fellow servant is equal. He's not like some criminal, that second servant, is he? He's not an unworthy person. And the word servant makes me think about the church. The Bible talks us about being servants of God. And actually, the consequences in the church of us not forgiving are not good. At best, if we don't forgive, then our relationships are quite superficial and thin and, and a bit of a pretend thing, aren't they? They're not honest because we haven't really dealt with something that might be in our heart. And at worst, it means that we just choose not to have a relationship with somebody because we can't forgive them. Actually, it makes some people ill. There's medical research, isn't there, that if people are angry inside, it, it, it affects their health. And it can mean that people leave the church rather than forgive. And they take that unforgiveness with them, obviously. And there are church splits as well. So it really is a big deal. And the worst thing of all is that God isn't honoured. In this story, everybody knew that the first servant hadn't forgiven. And we know people... We know people who have got that anger inside them. That they think we don't know, but it just comes out them, doesn't it? God is not honoured when we hold that anger inside us. And, of course, we are not forgiven. The rhetorical question that God asks is, shouldn't you forgive? And the answer, of course, is a resounding yes. That's the thing about rhetorical questions. Um, I'm a primary school teacher, and uh, in my last school we had an aut autistic autism unit. And I had a girl in my class who was autistic, and uh, she didn't understand the nature of rhetorical questions. I remember one time I was teaching, I can't remember if I was teaching maths or English or something, and Amy, this girl, sits in the middle of the class with everybody else and she goes to get a banana out of her tray and in front of the lesson whilst I'm teaching everybody she proceeds to peel the banana which she's not allowed to do it's not great time and I say to her Amy what do you think you're doing and she says to me miss I'm peeling a banana <laughs> because she didn't get the idea of rhetorical questions this is God's rhetorical question shouldn't we forgive yes we should that is it that is the bottom line of our gospel is that if we are forgiven, then we need to forgive. 
The other problem that I have, as well as feeling that Bob was a bit harsh, which he isn't, is I have this cry inside me that says, help, I don't want to be like the first servant. And he is so violent. It says, when the servant went out, so he's just been forgiven three million pounds. And it doesn't say days later or weeks later. Uh, so I have this idea that it's not that long ago that he had three million pounds completely cancelled. And he comes across this servant who owes him less than a hundred pounds. And it says he choked him. You know, he must have had his hands around his throat or got his lapels or whatever they had back in the day. Oh. Really, and he's choking him. He's just been cancelled three million pounds and he's choking somebody because they owe him less than a hundred. You know, and I think what was in his heart when he had that three million pounds cancelled? You know, he should have been so happy, shouldn't he? He should have been skipping. You know, and I think, when I think about the happiest days of my life, and you can think of some happy days of you, you know, when, I don't know, God provided something amazing or something wonderful happened to somebody that you love, you feel like, I was, feel like sort of Teflon now, don't you? The middle guy, I think, is somebody from Marvel. I'm trying to get down with the kids now. <laughs> you feel like anything could hit you, don't you, within reason. You know, somebody could cut you up in traffic. For me, photocopying queue, you know, seven o'clock in the morning. Anybody could be in front of me doing mountains of photocopying. I don't mind because I am so full of joy and so full of gratitude that the smaller things, they don't mind because I don't care about and I, I don't understand why this man who was, who was cancelled, who had three million pounds effectively cancelled, why he got angry so quickly. You know, maybe he took it for granted. Maybe he thought it was his due. Uh, you know, I don't know. We, we don't know his heart. We only know his actions, which really speak of anger and unforgiveness. And the thing is, although we can think of those happy days, they are momentary, aren't they? You know, they're like sort of sand in our hands that just falls through. It doesn't last. It's not eternal. Tim and I were watching Match of the Day last night, and we were watching Arsenal Beach. <laughs> and the stadium, which is massive, erupted. And I said to Tim, wow, what a feeling that must be. But even for those players, whoever it was who scored that last goal within the last few seconds, still, when he gets home, it's going to slip away the next day. That joy is not eternal. And how do we ensure, therefore, that we're not like that first servant? And I think we've got to know what we are saved from and what the alternative was. If you're not saved, then you don't have any relationship with God. You don't have any reference to him. And that was me 40 years ago. I was the master of my own universe. Um, I probably was a bit self-pitiful at times. I could think... I had a year eight teacher and at the end of the year he did little catchphrases for each of the children uh, and I was in his class and I'm ashamed to say that his catchphrase for me was it's not fair I don't think he liked me very much but it must have been true there must have been an element of truth in it and I do think I had a keen sense of injustice done to me but did I thank God when he blessed me no I didn't because I didn't know him and I didn't use any resources I had particularly to help anybody else. 
And, you know, even with all that, which most of us are like, I was very unhappy and very lonely. And that's what the world is like without God. You know, there's self-harm, suicide, depression, all on the rise, because people are living without God. They're living without the Father who loves them and designed life for them. You know, and over those 40 years, every day I feel the benefit, and you do too if you know him, of your debt being cancelled. We know his love and approval and guidance and provision. And this is something worth being joyful about. And this is something that lasts. A couple of weeks ago, Tim preached on the parable of uh, the pearl. I've gone past my lovely little and it's about the man who sold absolutely everything he had to gain a pearl of great value. And that's like, you know, an idea of the kingdom of God, of our relationship with God. That is worth giving up everything for because it is so wonderful. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can have this. And it is very simple and straightforward. You just say to him you want a relationship with him and that you're sorry for the things you know that you didn't get right sin and maybe the things you don't even know that you didn't get right and then you say to God I want to turn to you and I want to turn away from my way and that's it simple as that and tell somebody because they'll help you with that walk so to answer my initial problem then the master is not too harsh but we have a choice it's a bottom line we forgive and then we are well we are forgiven first and because of that we need to forgive and the solution is being massively thankful for this friendship that we have with God. So, nearly at nearly the end, coming to my title, before forgiveness. See, I think as Christians we are forgiven and it's that state of mind that's really crucial. That actually it's our before state of mind, once we are saved, is a massive key to our ability to forgive after it's needed. So the way we think before is a massive key to when we approach things that do need forgiving. It's easy, I think, to identify the big sins that you know really have, have hindered our life. And I, I talked a few months back, and, and there are plenty of people you can talk to about how to forgive the really big things that dominate our lives. But I think as well, it's quite tricky with the small things. I came across this quite a few years ago, and it stayed with me. Uh, it's a peanuts character cartoon and Lucy's saying to Linus it's very strange it happens just by looking at you and I said what happens and Lucy says I can feel a criticism coming on <laughs> and I think uh, this is quite a good clue as to whether we're holding unforgiveness towards somebody even if it's something small sometimes there can be colleagues who are a bit moody or in teaching I'm afraid it's quite competitive people can be bitchy unkind Maybe sometimes it's not even necessarily to you. Maybe you see it happening to somebody else. But I think the litmus test is, is when you think about them, do you think something critical? Because then I think that that is a key towards us actually being a little bit unforgiving towards them. And the solution is not for us to try harder. It's Holy Spirit. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is our guide. And he's there to help you. So we need to give thanks for those people and, and Holy Spirit will help you. Pray for them. Look out for them. And actually you will find Holy Spirit begins to warm your heart to them. 
And actually, you will, that resentment and unforgiveness will just fall away. And you'll find it easy to show mercy to them on a day-to-day -day basis. I think of a colleague that I had last year who was, was all of the things that I've just said. And, you know, I'd be in the photocopying room at 7.30 in the morning on a Monday, and she would just, I'd, I'd ask, talk to her politely. She'd give me one-word answers. Obviously did not like me. But I just prayed about it. I'm not saying I'm an expert at this, I'm just giving you an example. And actually God changed her heart. And funnily enough, she decided she liked me. And I didn't do anything, God did everything. And that's what he does. And I think actually this is quite, the other thing to think about really is that this is quite counter-cultural. Actually in many cultures, there's really a culture of honor being offended, isn't there? And revenge. And for some cultures, it's a sign of weakness. And we need to be careful that we don't get sucked into that. At the moment, there seems to be a real culture of being judgmental. You know, this cancel culture, this righteous indignation that, that society seems to get. I mean, the current thing is Nick Hancock's texts and things. And whilst it's amusing, the feeding frenzy on him getting something wrong and everybody loving, judging him, is it's just not good, is it? And just, we need to be careful that we don't get sucked into that as well. There's a German word called Schadenfreude, I think, which is the enjoyment of other people's misfortunes, and we need to resist that. Amen. It's really, really vital, actually, with regards to forgiveness, that we get our relationship right with God. It's the source of our strength. It's like, you know, the beginning bit of the river that, that powers absolutely everything else. Our emotions are involved, yes, but actually more important forgiveness is an act of will and feelings follow. When we lack joy and thankfulness, actually we're likely to be unforgiving and critical towards others. The Holy Spirit, who is like that source of the river, he builds that Teflon shield around us. It isn't that we try really hard, he does it for us. You know, we build in that joy, he builds that joy in us and it creates this shell around us that means we are not so easily offended. And when we are offended, it is so much easier to just let it fall away. Amen. I think for me, I don't know about you, busyness is an issue. Uh, I sometimes miss God's whispering because I'm busy. And I've been talking to God about this and talking to Holy Spirit. And I have been noticing more the way that he talks to me. And actually, I find that and I don't know whether you do, but I have these little thoughts and they're not even formulated into things and I notice God talking to me. And this isn't to do with forgiveness, it's to do with how wonderful our God is. I was talking to him only a couple of weeks ago and I didn't even formulate it into a thought because I knew it wasn't a very worthy thought. But I, I thought about next year and who I might be job sharing with and I thought of somebody who's very popular and I thought, oh, the kids are going to like this person much more than me. And I, I didn't even formulate into that thought because I think it's a bit of a ridiculous thing. It doesn't matter, does it? But actually, the next day, in fact, now I talked to God that morning, that day, two children came up to me. One said, um, oh, Miss, I, I really miss you when you're not here because I only work three days. And the other one said, you know, you're my favorite teacher. Oh. Now, I mean, he may say that to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is we have this God and he saved us, he heals us, he provides for us. But he even hears the very whispers of our heart that we know aren't even really very worthy. 
But because he loves us, because he's our friend, he, he cares about us, doesn't he? Even in the small things, even in the silly, ridiculous things. And this is the God that we have. And it, it humbles me, and I guess it humbles you. And when we are so loved by God, then how difficult is it to forgive other people when we are forgiven so much? Amen. We have a God who listens to the merest whispers, don't we? And how good it is. This, again, isn't about forgiveness, but I feel this is the why, what forgiveness looks like when we're walking with God. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. So we need to be thankful for the great debt that he has cancelled in our lives. And in the light of that, we can forgive all who hurt us, whether they are big things that are going to take some time or little things that happen day to day. And remembering all he has done will help us to do that. And it's Holy Spirit who helps us. He builds up this Teflon shell around us and he goes before us and softens people's hearts. And whilst we've been chatting, if you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, you can give him your heart anytime in the way that I've already said. And I'm just going to pray for anybody who God has brought to mind, maybe somebody you need to forgive. God, we thank you for your great love to us. And we just want to lift this person up to you that you brought to mind. And we ask you help us to choose to forgive them. And we thank you that it's going to be you who's going to be going ahead of us and making it easy for us. We don't have to do it out of effort. We do it through a will. And you build that shell around us and you help us walk in forgiveness because you've forgiven us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.